What's happening, people? It's your girl, Mina, and welcome back to Le Carrington, the Manchester United women's football podcast solely focused on Manchester United women. Now, Manchester United took a heavy defeat at Old Trafford against their Manchester rivals. And I'm going to talk about it, I'm going to dissect it. And of course, I put out a tweet earlier after the game, finished asking for some questions from my followers and people dropped some questions. So I'm going to discuss that as well. I know some people are feeling defeated after that 3-1 loss, but let's take an overall look at not only the game, but the tactics and what exactly went wrong for Manchester United. Now, going into the game, the first thing that definitely stood out for me was the tactical change that Mark Skinner seemed to have go gone for. And you know what? This is not the first time in a big game this season he's gone for this tactical change. Jade Riviere being dropped to the bench in replacement of playing Hannah Blundell at right back and playing Leah Galton as a left back for me was the most questionable thing. Until now, I'm not going to lie, I'm still questioning it. And it's similar to the PSG game where he played Jade Riviere as a right winger, which that was something I didn't understand, and then abandoned it at halftime again today. Similar thing, abandoned the tactical change that he went for. Now, before the game started, he was talking to Sky and he mentioned that he made this change mainly because it's, you know, for transition, for build-up, for a change in shape. And I and I kind of understood that logic where if you've got Leah Galton, it's similar to how Rachel Daly was playing for England at the World Cup, where it's, you're playing with a second winger, essentially. But Leah Galton, for me, does not have the de defensive attributes to play as a right-back. She can support her full-back when she's playing as a winger. Defensively, she can support her full-back. But 1v1, she cannot read the game well enough to play as a left-back. I know she's played there once or twice before in the past for Manchester United, but in a derby, I don't think, in my opinion, again, this is solely just my opinion, guys. And I, of course, want to hear what everyone thinks. I don't think it's the time to go for a tactical masterclass or a tactical change because essentially you want to catch the opponent off guard. I get it. You want to catch the, the opponent's manager off guard. But really, you just shot yourself in the foot. And the reason why I say that because, and I'm going to go into the first half and the second half, etc. But for me, the main point is playing Leah Galton as a fullback because there was too many times I saw Maya Letizia or Millie Turner getting sucked out by, you know, Khadija Shaw, you know, the strength of her playing back to goal, her ability to drop a bit deeper, allow, you know, her midfielders to run into the space that she's created. The centre-backs were getting sucked out and essentially Leah Galton was just not reading it well enough to kind of cover that space. Hannah Blundell does that well. Jade Riviere does that well. Gabby George does that well because they are naturally fullbacks. Now, Hannah Blundell actually playing as a right-back for me, I'm not fond of that. And the reason why I say I'm not fond of it is because the last, the, the first few games of the season, it was for me a disaster class to see against any competent winger on the right hand side in comparison to the left. I don't know why, what the reasoning is behind this, but it seems like Hannah Blundell is a lot more weaker when she plays as a right back, especially 1v1 against a winger in comparison to when she plays as a left, black, left back. And especially because Chloe Kelly and Lauren Hemp were, were quite interchangeable throughout the game, similar to Manchester United wingers. It was something that I just couldn't look past. So the lineups were Mary Earps in goal, and we're going to talk about Mary Earps as well. Hannah Blundell on the right hand side, Millie Turner and Myla Tissier in the back line alongside Leah Galton, Lisa Nolson and Katie Zellum in that midfield partnership, Ella Toon in the 10, Nikita Paris on the left, Mallard on the right, and Jace up top. Again, that front line of Nikita Paris, Jace, Mallard was very interchangeable because they were switching around positions all the time. And of course, City lined up with Keaton in goal, which for me, she is a, she's going to be an amazing goalkeeper, not just for City or whoever she goes on to play for, but for the England national team. She is, honestly, I thought United didn't test her enough 
But when they did, she she looked very, very comfortable. Um, Uhabi, left back, Greenwood, Kennedy. Actually, Greenwood was playing left back. Um, and then Alexandri and Kennedy in the back line, alongside Hasegawa and Rod and Jodal. Uh, Kelly on the right, Lauren Hemp on the left, again, interchangeable. And Khadija Shaw up top. Manchester United lost 3-1, went up. 30-ish minutes, I think it was 33rd minute, they went up for a penalty, um, thanks to Katie Zellum slotting it home. If Keating just dived a little bit earlier or just stretched out a bit more wider, then she might have actually got her fingers to it. But Katie Zellum slotted it home into the bottom corner, nice, comfortable penalty. I personally think that red card, that yellow card, sorry, was disgraceful. That was a disgraceful handball from Greenwood. But that's just me being biased, of course. Within... Three minutes of going up, Manchester United conceded two goals. They conceded immediately. And then again, that's they went into the half essentially up for less than three minutes by the time they had eventually conceded those two goals. And I'm going to talk about the goals a lot in depth because I feel like some of these goals were United's own wrongdoing especially that third goal. That third goal summed up United's performance in possession, I think, completely. And we're going to talk about it because I I know I know a lot of people are saying, a lot of people are Skinner out. A lot of people have been mentioning saying Mark Skinner's, you know, taking United as far as they can and to be tactically outclassed by Taylor at home, I think it's, it raises some questions. I don't know about the out thing. <laughs> we'll talk about that. But I think to be tactically outclassed today, Man City set up and played the entire 90 minutes exactly how they set up. Even when they went a player down and they got, you know, uh, that's four four out of the five red cards in this WSL season so far has gone to City. They're basically averaging a red card every other game. Every other game, they, they, they're going a player down. And today, I feel like they set up well enough to outclass Manchester United. And the reason why I'm saying that is because it's their tactics was to have control of the game, where even when Manchester United were in possession, and even when Manchester United felt like they had control because they were in possession, City still really controlled and dictated the tempo of the game. You know, the press was continuous, it was constant. The pressure was continuous, it was constant. And I was watching the post-game interviews uh, with Khadija Shaw, and she said that she's at her best when she presses and applies pressure to the back line and that's how you know that's how City got two of their three goals Khadija Shaw pressing and causing problems and that's when imagine she's saying that that's when she's at her best and that's something we've seen with her throughout her time at City you know she tried to do it with Jamaica at the World Cup as well but that is her style of play so to essentially try to build up from your back line where and I'm going to talk about Ona Batia because I do think she comes into this discussion as well. And we've seen it time and time again this season. United have tried to do this thing where they build up from the back with Maya Letizia, uh, with Militana, with Mary Earps, etc. I saw way too many times Mary Earps just booting the ball up, just booting the ball up. I'm not sure if that was part of the tactics to play out from the back with a goalkeeper that can play out from her feet. But to just be booting it up and essentially City were always going for the second chances. They were first to all the second chances. It's like the energy, the energy did change, I would say, like later in the game, around the 80th minute when a lot of the changes were made by Mark Skinner. But the energy for City was just different. They wanted it more. They were more hungry. They were more consistent. They were applying more pressure. They were in control. Even, even when they had the ball, um, they were controlling the game how they wanted to to control it. And this is a team that's coming away. You know, the home team should never make the opponent be feeling that comfortable where they feel like they are in control, whether they are in possession or out of possession. 
within the first 10-15 minutes, City were creating chances. At halftime, they had already had 15 shots on goal. Mary Earps had to make a lot of saves. She had to make she had to work for her money today. I think she didn't work for it enough because we're going to talk about some of the mistakes, but I don't think all the mistakes are down to her completely. Now, in the first half, like I said, City were just dominating. They were creating chances. And even when United went up 1-0, I still didn't feel comf comfortable. I didn't feel confident. And the reason why was because I felt like United weren't, weren't when they were getting into the opponent's half and getting into, near to the opponent's box, it's kind of like they just lose concentration and just don't know what to do with the ball. And we saw it as well with, with Jace. JC, what, I know her name is pronounced differently depending on who is saying it. But we saw it with JC. When she has the ball, she dribbles. She she likes to get past every player that she has. And sometimes I think, is that really the right decision to be making? You know, you you're running into traffic of three players. I saw it time and time and time and time again today. And I said it in the first episode of this podcast, where if JC just works on her final output and decision making, she would be a quality player. But today we saw some mishaps, I would say, in possession. And it wasn't just her. It was not just her. There was a chance that she had that I don't think it should have been a disallowed goal. But, you know, they came to an inconclusive decision where they couldn't decide whether it was out or it should have been a corner or if the goal should have stood. I think we could talk about having VAR in women's football, but VAR needs to be consistent enough before we even entertain that conversation, in my opinion. Anyways, but... For me, the battle was lost essentially in the middle of the pitch. And leading into the game, I did say, I was saying it on social media, I said that the battle of the game would be in the midfield. Katie Zellum and Lisa Nolson, who to me, I think, was just unimpressionable throughout, throughout her time in the game. And that's the issue we have with quite a few players. It feels like, you know, players impress and they play well enough uh, when they make appearances as substitutes. But the second they get put into the starting lineup is whether the, 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 the moment is too big for them. I'm not too sure whether it's too overwhelming. We saw it in the PSG game, saw it again today. You know, Chloe Kelly skips past her so comfortably, um, again, because she's covering for Hannah Blundell on that side. Uh, she Chloe Kelly skipped past her so comfortably to get into get get a ball into the box for their second goal of the game. But that midfield of Katie Zellum, um, Elisa Nolson, Ella Toon versus the midfield of Hasegawa, Broad, and Angledal for me that was where the battle was really lost. The United didn't really dictate the tempo in the middle. I know Katie Zellum is 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 praised for doing that, where she drops deeper behind. You know, she drops deep to the back line collects the ball and progresses the ball, gets the ball forward, gets the wingers involved. We didn't see enough of that today. Hasegawa pressing every moment that Manchester United had the ball when Katie Zellum had her back to the City team and she's picking up the ball. Every moment possible, Hasegawa was pressing. She was pressing consistently. And that was actually how Khadija Shaw uh, managed to, you know, press Katie Zellum for that second goal that she created for Lauren Hemp. And this is why I say that Two goals that United conceded, um, the, first, the last two goals in particular, was from Manchester United's own wrongdoing. The inability to play out from the back, the lack of communication, you know. The third goal for me is questionable because Mary Earps plays a ball to Letizia who then underhits a pass back to Mary Earps. But for Mary Earps to see Khadija Shaw running straight at her and to decide to smash the ball into her, I don't know if that was actually the right choice. I'm not a goalkeeping expert. I know what I know, but I would not do that. Again, I'm not getting Mary Earps and I ain't a professional goalkeeper, but this is just my opinion. And I know a lot of people actually share a similar sentiment because Khadija Shaw was essentially running at her. The first pass to Maya Letissier was a bit overcooked. 
and the pass back to Mary Earps was undercooked. So it seemed like United couldn't find the right balance of, you know, passing in their back line. If you've already conceded a goal in a similar way where you're trying to pass out the back and City's tactics remained consistent throughout the entire game, even when they were up 2-1, they remained consistent. It was to press pressure control it was as simple as that and even when United continuously tried to play out from the back and I don't think we were that we weren't that successful many a times Manchester United were not successful playing out of the back many a times and Mark Skinner actually mentions it in his press conference and I'm going to speak about that as well but they weren't successful enough to continue to play out of the back Mark Skinner abandoned his tactics at halftime, brought in Jade Riviere, put Leah Galton back in her position that, you know, where she plays. So for me, it's like you didn't have faith in that tactic change, this masterclass of a tactic that you tried and attempted in a Manchester derby. You abandoned it at halftime. You should have just abandoned the tactic of playing out from the back, get the wingers involved. And this is why I say Honor Batier is probably the biggest miss of Manchester United. And, and I'm saying this, you know, because we can talk about Alicia Russo leaving Manchester United. They brought in, uh, you know, Mallard as, as a loan. They brought in JC as, as a long-term signing to replace the goals that Russo brings, the energy, you know, dropping deep. We see Mallard doing that, getting involved, getting, you know, the midfielders involved, etc. But on a Batier's output, just last season alone, I think, covered a lot of cracks for Manchester United. You don't get, you know, 18, 20 assists near enough from a fullback in a regular season, let alone, you know, in a WSL season. On Abatier's output last season and her being so instrumental and so key to Manchester United's build-up, her ability to play as a, as a fullback and a winger at the same time and still get back and do her defensive work, she did not put a lot of, it didn't put a lot of strain on the likes of the midfielders, Katie Zellum, Hayley Ladd, whoever was playing there last season, because Manchester United knew that they could pass the ball to Onobatier, who would find a way to get it forward because she's just so good at that. And I think today's game really highlighted how much Manchester United missed that, how much Manchester United, you know, the lack of not replacing that, because really and truly, there's only one of Onobatier in this world. Yeah, you are not going to find another Onobatier. United have tried to, you know, nurture Jade Riviere, who's, for me, growing into the season every... And that's why I did not understand why Jade Riviere was dropped today. She's been game after game showing that she's growing into the season, improving, and even when she came on today was an absolute bright spark on the right-hand side, creating chances, getting involved, nearly had a goal as well, made a great run for me, could have finished it, but, you know, she's a fullback that doesn't get many opportunities in front of goals, so she was probably shocked herself. Keeper made a great save, but Jade Riviere, for me, has been growing into the season, and and I, and I think United have put a lot of pressure on her to be Onobatier's replacement. She is not Onobatier's replacement. Onobatier is irreplaceable. She's irreplaceable. Let me say that again. Onobatier is irreplaceable for the value that she adds, the output that she adds. What she contributed to Manchester United during her time here has covered over a lot of cracks in transition. When Manchester United are in transition, in build-up, trying to get the ball forward, Onobatier was always always, always involved for Manchester United. And I feel like today's game really, really highlighted that because Ella Toon, for me, was involved. She tried to get involved. Again, just sloppy passing. And it's not just from her. It was essentially from everybody. Hannah Blundell, Mary Earps, Turner, Leticia, everybody, Mallard, Jace, everybody had sloppy moments of passing, which for me was really actually frustrating to watch at certain times. Like I said, Jace had the disallowed goal. But for me, it's just the decision-making. It was a bad... It, forget the disallowed goal that she had. 
the pass that she initially played to Nikita Paris was poor. That was a poor pass. And then, like I said, her decision making has got a lot of it's, it's got a lot of work to do. And and the second half was just summed up. United didn't get into the fight to, to into City's box in the second half until about the 70th ish minute, which is bad. That is bad. Essentially, United could barely get out of their half and hold on to the ball consistently. When they did go a player down at that point, I feel like United grew a lot better in the game, not enough to kind of get the second goal and the third goal that was kind of needed. Because at that point, you're digging yourself a hole. You're two goals down. Yes, the opponent has a player sent off, which is, again, I was saying it throughout the game, when Greenwood got booked for her handball, that was the time for players like Jace to just target the fullback. And that's what City did very well. City got their full City got their wingers involved a lot, targeting Manchester United's fullbacks. They were targeting Blundell, targeting Golton. Uh, when Riviere came on, they were targeting Riviere. Riviere's great defender. She's a, she's a good defender one-on-one. So she was able to kind of handle it. But Manchester United didn't do that enough. So Greenwood, who's on a yellow card, I, I'm not sure why the manager didn't say at halftime, target her, go at her. Jace likes to dribble. She likes to run at players. She likes to skip past players, do skills, etc. Go past and frustrate your fullback. Get her a second yellow card. Essentially, eventually, sorry, they got a yellow card. Uh, they got a player sent off. But for me, Onabatier's absence was really, really felt today. United are, what, fourth in the table now? on 12 points and have won three games, lost, drew three games and, and, and lost a game, losing to your rivals who have now gone into third place. Is this now, and this is a question to, to, to the entire audience, anyone who's listening, do let me know on social media. You can get involved in the talk on, on at Minna Football, at on Twitter, YouTube, etc. Do you feel like this is now a top three race and the title race is essentially over because Man United are now seven points off Chelsea. Chelsea haven't lost a game uh, this season yet. They've only drawn and they've haven't they've won six. United have only beat Villa, Everton, and West Ham so far. You know they they drew against Arsenal. They drew to Leicester. You know they they're drawing games to to Bristol. Drawing games that they shouldn't be dropping points to. Now they've got a Conti Cup game against Liverpool. They got Bristol away, which I don't want to say is going to be a comfortable win because Bristol have been, you know, newly promoted, expected to go down again. But anything can happen again away from home, 12.30 kickoff on a Sunday. And then it's a nice little international break when then after that they go to Spurs away. Obviously, I'm going to get to the questions that people have asked because I asked people for some questions after the game. Mark Skinner's comments after the game as well. We're going to get into that. Make sure you guys rate the, the, the podcast what you think is deserved of. I think it's five star. Despite the result today, despite the result, I'm still staying positive. Let's get into the next part. Now, of course, when the lineups came out, I think the biggest topic of discussion was Jade Riviere being benched. But Mark Skinner did say after the game that she took a knock in training a few days ago and it was more out of necessity rather than a choice. Putting Leah Galton there um, said that they trusted her to play left back and they thought that Jade's knock was a lot more serious than what it was. But she was able to do 45 minutes, um, which kind of, I think, explains why, you know, the biggest topic of discussion is why, why was that chosen? There we have it. We have our answer. Jade Riviere had a little knock in training. He didn't mention it in the pre-game press conference that he did ahead of the game on Friday, but it was mentioned now after the game. 
after the game, he did speak to Sky and they asked a few questions. And for me, it was interesting that he's what he said because he said essentially they did not play well, that City deserved it, and they Manchester United as a result deserved to lose, that they let the moment get to them, not rather the moment of playing at Old Trafford, 43,000 people. That's the you know, they've set a new record for themselves, still a bit short off of Man City's record of 46,000, I think it is. But 43,000 at a women's game wouldn't have been heard of 10 years ago. So I applaud Manchester United and everyone that kind of pushes the women football uh, brand, you know, to, to many, many people. But he said that they let the moment get to them. And I think it's more so the moment of a Manchester derby. I think a Manchester derby is, is a big thing regardless, especially when you're playing any sort of top four opponent. It's a big, big deal playing them. So having, having that at Old Trafford where... Manchester United, essentially, their Old Trafford record now comes to an end. They had before, before this game, they had won every single game. So now they have an L for their record at Old Trafford. But they said that they couldn't, Mark Skinner said that they couldn't deal with the press from City and they weren't mature enough in the final third. I think the decision making was poor in the final third. I think it was very evident they couldn't deal with the press. I think Manchester United, for me, and I think it was it was actually mentioned in one of the the, the the, the analysis on Sky after the game, I think United are dying for a six. They are, United need a DM so, so badly. It's actually, I don't know how they've lasted this long without one. Manchester United are in dire need of a DM. Katie Zellum cannot play as a DM. I think, in my opinion, she is not a DM. I think she is a great controller in the middle, you know, gets the wingers involved, long balls. Her set piece, in, uh, her set piece ability is next to none. But she is not a DM. She cannot be the player that drops deep behind in front of the centre backs, picks up the ball, you know, is the destroyer, you know, breaking down the opponents, um, you know, man mar uh, marking the players, you know, trying to get involved, trying to put a foot in. I don't think it, she did show that actually in the second goal where she got dispossessed by uh, Khadija Shaw, slid in and blocked it, but the ball landed back to Khadija Shaw to play it to Lauren Hemp, who then you know dinked it into the top corner, but. I think United need a DM. If they're going to get the best out of the likes of Katie Zellum, Ella Toon, people who are so clearly a big part of the manager's plans, United need to go into the January window and sign a DM. And if they're not going to sign a DM, they need to sign a DM in the summer. Essentially, they just need to sign a DM ASAP. Now, and one thing I don't get is that Mark's going to acknowledge the fact that the press was too much. City's press was suffocating at some point. Why did you not change the tactic? Why did you continue to play out from the back? Why did you continue to do that? United were playing sloppy. The press from City was forcing United to... The nerves got to the players, essentially. And the nerves were kind of forcing players to play sloppy, just, you know, playing very immaturely, in my, in my opinion, is very immature in possession. Because forget the goals that United conceded, you know, because of the sloppy passing. But there was so much sloppy passing, I literally could not believe it. So why did you continue to play out or try to play out from the back, knowing that you had just conceded a goal and knowing that the suffoc the press was so suffocating for you that you couldn't handle it? At that point, honestly, you're a player, you know, the, the opponent are a player down, it's 3-1. Why are you still trying to build up from the back? United abandoned that, essentially. When 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 Mark Skinner made the changes and the likes of Williams came on, Garcia, etc. came on, Miyazawa, United stopped trying to build up from the back and were just trying to find the wingers and cross the ball it. That's what they were doing. And for me, having Rachel Williams as your only real change in the front line that will really, that you can expect something from, is, is kind of disheartening because when you're chasing a two-goal 
um, lead. You're trying to, you know, chop into that lead. You're trying to get a goal back and then get another goal back. And you're just, the opponent knows what you're going to do. They know you're just going to cross it in. What do City do? Every time United cross it in, they try to get on the end of it and just boot it out. They literally did that nonstop. Even with 11 minutes extra time added on, they just kept doing that. Just get onto the end of the crosses and just boot the ball, either boot it out or boot it as far as possible. And that's what City did. They also made changes, went very defensively, brought on, you know, Williams came on. So Taylor went and brought on a centre-back Horton. They literally, like for like, you, you bring on your solution, I bring on my solution. And essentially, that's what happened. It's, it's interesting that Mark Skinner acknowledged it. He acknowledged that the press was too much for them. He 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 acknowledged that, you know, it was overwhelming. It was difficult to deal with the press. But for me, is the fact that you continued to play out from the back, even though you acknowledged that the press was too much. At what point, if you can comfortably abandon your tactics at, at halftime in terms of, you know, bringing on Jade Riviere when she's picked up a knock, putting Leo Golton back in her position, then why don't you just abandon that tactic? Unless that was your only other your only other choice was just to do the long ball of football. I think there's a lot of questions to be asked. I put out a tweet after the game. I said, there's a lot to talk about. Drop your questions. Um, and I got, I got a lot of questions. Some of it I'm not surprised about. Honestly, some of the questions I am not surprised about. So I'm going to get into some of your questions um, and, and let's see if we have any answers for it. So I asked for some questions, obviously, from listeners. And boy, did you lot not, you lot threw so many questions at me. I'm going to try to get through as many of them. And the first one's from Sani. says, why did United struggle to string more than about two passes together from the back? And if the answer is the occasion, then what does that say about the prep? I think United are not, I think they struggled with the, the press the pressure from the opponent. I don't think it's about the occasion because we've seen United perform against City uh, when they played at LSV. I don't think it has anything to do with playing at Old Trafford. I just think that tactically City were 100% right. They were they had no flaws in how they set up defensively, whereas Manchester United, I think it was a bit different. There was flaws in the way that they were set up tactically. The manager changed it at halftime, changed it again at the 60th minute, changed it again later into the game. There was just a lot of changes. I think Mary between Mary Earps, Maya Letizia, Millie Turner, Zellum, etc., trying to play out trying to play out from the back when you've got a player-for-player player marking from the opponent, it's difficult. It's difficult when you haven't got someone that has the ability to bypass it. I saw Turner trying to, you know, go through two city players essentially like a sandwich. She was lucky to get out, but it could have went either way. I saw my Letizia under hitting passes. I saw too many people, I think, under hitting passes, which for me, that was the biggest problem. The biggest problem, of course, was the inability to string out passes. But even in the front, they were not well, you, you know, they weren't taking care of the ball. They weren't taking care of it, tidy with it. They were sh struggling to string together consistent passes from the back line all the way to the front line. So I think it was more so an issue across the starting 11 rather than just playing out for the back. Um, big up to MUWFCS says, and guys, this is the question that I think has been asked the most. Um, says has Mark Skinner taken United as far as he can and I mentioned this on my YouTube channel uh, during the game I did say that you know coming into the, into the season I think a lot of people shared similar sentiment you know United had a lot of outgoings they had incomings you know they spent a lot of money I think it was, I think they spent the most in the WSL spending 300k uh, on 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 JC you know bringing in Melvin Mallard a Champions League winner bringing in you know a World Cup winner bringing in you know the World Cup top goal scorer bringing in experienced players that can make changes make differences and essentially you know the manager has a team a crop of players that he has brought in 
So the expectation there coming into the season for me, and I think for many other people, was that the manager needs to win something. I think as Manchester United, you know, if we talk about the, we could talk about the men's team, but just as a club, you know, we speak about and we, and we rave about the importance of winning stuff, being a top team, being one of the best in the league. And you can't be the best in England without winning something. I don't think, you know, United don't really have much to stand on. They don't really have a leg to stand on. Only, I would say, the fact that, you know, United have been running for five, six years. These other clubs have been running for a lot longer. They've got a lot of infrastructure in place. United are still, you know, with the owners, still kind of trying to grasp that concept, hopefully, with Sir Jim Ratcliffe coming in. Hopefully, he's got ideas and plans for the women's team. And it's not just solely focused on the men's team. But Manchester United cannot afford for the next couple of years to just be a team in the top three. They can't. And I know it's, it's far off for me to say United have to win the league. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying United have to, have, have to win the league, but coming into the season, I said that United have to finish in top three, they have to finish in a Champions League spot, and they have to win silverware. Whether it's the FA Cup, whether it's the Conti Cup, I said even at that time, whether it was the Champions League, we hadn't even qualified, United failed to qualify, even if it was the league, we're seven points off the top right now, so I think that, let's not have that discussion about winning the league, but being in the Conti Cup and then obviously joining the FA Cup, United have to win something. Mark Skinner has to win some sort of silverware because he's got a crop of players that are his, that he's brought in, that he wants to work with, that he essentially wants to use to bring United back to, you know, bring United to being one of the best women's team in England and then eventually in Europe and in the world. A lot of people after the game, you know, the sentiment online is always like this, I think, after a loss. A lot of criticism landing on the manager, which criticism can land on the manager as much as I think that it should be on the players too, because it wasn't the manager that was sloppy playing sloppy passes in the back line. It wasn't the manager who was in goal that decided to boot the ball onto Khadija Shaw. It wasn't the manager that did that, but it was the manager that was seemed to have been insistent on, on Manchester United playing out from the back. I don't know if I could say that Mark Skinner has taken United as far as possible, because I think if... Do you guys feel like, and please let me know your thoughts, do you feel like as, you know, once you've got your crop of players, you should be given a season to see if you can make it work? Should should Mark's going to get till the end of the season? I'm not, let me say one thing. I don't, can't answer this. Thank you for this question, but I can't answer this. I don't know if, if Skinner has taken United as far as he possibly can, because last season we knew that he could take United to the top three. And he could take United to an FA Cup final and he could take them to Champions League qualification, top two, actually, you know, going go, taking the title to the last day. We knew he could do that. Are we suggesting that he can't do anything after that, meaning he can't take United to a title and he can't take them to beat Chelsea in an FA Cup final? Because that FA Cup, if we talk about the FA Cup loss, that one nil loss at Wembley, that one goal um, that, that they scored, it it was it would have been a different game had United, United had a penalty shout, they had a goal disallowed. I think it could have turned out a lot differently. And that's something that's not on the manager. I think it's on officiating, on the standards of officiating in the women's game as well. Um, but I, I'm not too sure. I'm not too sure about if, if Skinner has, has taken Manchester United as far as he can. I still think he's got a bit more to go with these players. But I will say one thing. I'm worried about how the season has started. Seven games into the season, three losses, three draws and a, uh, three wins, sorry, three draws and a loss is not a good record for a team that have just finished top two last season. That's not, I don't think that's good enough. I think when you look at the, the draws that United have had, they are opponents that 
United should be beaten comfortably. I think that Arsenal game, that draw, United should have won. They should have set themselves up to not allow a last-minute equaliser from the opponent. I think, you know, drawing against the likes of Bristol, uh, um, not Bristol, sorry, against Brighton, who again, they lost to Arsenal 3-0, was it, I think, today? They, they took points off City the week before. They're, they're, causing, they're causing a bit of problem in the WSL, but United should be big enough and strong enough mature enough as a team to rise to the occasion when it comes to the mid-table teams, getting your three points, because that's the three points that matters. And at the end of the season, if United finish fourth and City finish a point or two ahead of them, Manchester United fans will look back on the draws earlier in the season and be disheartened about that. Every point counts, and especially in the season where, you know, there's not a lot of opponents that you're playing against in the WSL, let's be real. It's not like the Premier League where you're playing against a lot more opponents. It's not like that. So every point matters. That's my opinion. Uh, Next question from Natalie says, are you worried about, are you worried that performances will put people off after breaking records? I know a lot of people who have watched Manchester United women for the first time today. I know a lot of people who have done that. I know a lot of people who have started to watch Manchester United women a lot more this season because of the successful season that they had last season. I hope it doesn't put people off. A lot of people, you know, went to Old Trafford today, a nice family day out to watch two big teams in England. And it was, it's a good day out, but I hope it doesn't dishearten people from kind of wanting to go and watch Manchester United in the future because this team will only grow. And and this is why I say like playing at places like Old Trafford or even playing at LSV, playing at home, getting behind the girls, you know, there's a crop of, of fans who follow this team up and down the country, up and down Europe. You know, they went to Paris. They, you know, they, they're going late night, late night uh, kickoffs on a Sunday in, in Brighton, five, six hour drive. There's, there's fans who dedicate their life to follow the women's team. And I hope other people don't look at, you know, the performance today and feel disheartened about it because this team will only grow. They will only get better, in my opinion. Uh, big up to Natalie for that question. Uh, big up to, uh, next question is from MUWFC Tooney says, is this loss and our poor start to the season in general because of a lack of quality of the players or tactics in your opinion I think that's a good question because I don't think it's a lack of quality in the players because you know if you look at the summer transfer window the people that United have went and signed they are they they have quality United wouldn't have signed them otherwise they wouldn't have signed they wouldn't have signed Miyazawa otherwise if she didn't have quality Mallard uh, JC etc Guerrero I think she's out injured right now I think the I don't know if it's the loss of Martin Ho, and I don't think enough people are actually speaking about it. Losing your assistant coach and not replacing him in time for the season. United are essentially, the manager is essentially, you know, coming into games with one less opinion that's valued because managers, obviously, you know, your assistant coaches, that's your right-hand man, your right-hand woman. That's the people that you go to to hear their thoughts, their opinions. You know, if something that you're doing is not working, they normally come with that. That, that solution and Martin Ho has left Manchester United not replaced not been replaced you know if this was the men's team and Eric Ten Hag's you know right hand right hand man if any of the coaching staff assistant manager assistant coach had left Manchester United would not wait until halfway in the season to replace him Manchester United would have a replacement ready they would have that replacement ready they would be recruiting they would have that because an assistant coach I think is very very important I think the poor start to the season is a number of things. And I think the most important thing is the change in lineups game after game. Players are not getting an opportunity to play consistently with each other. 
So as a result, they're not understanding each other on the pitch. There's not really any fluidity in the way that they play. There's not really any understanding because it's different front lines, different midfields. I think the back line is really the only thing that has stayed consistent after, you know, even when Gabby George was playing, it was, we kind of knew what we were expecting with the back line, but the midfield and I think the front line is interchangeable consistently every game. And as a result, players are not getting the opportunity to understand each other. They're not getting the opportunity to play with each other. You know, last year we knew we knew what who was going to play. We knew it would be Russo. We knew it'd be Golton. You know, the right hand side it would be Paris or Garcia. To this this season, I've seen completely different players. I've seen people playing out of position. I'm seeing Mallard playing as a as a right winger. Who I know she can play there, but she's a number nine. We when when she scores goals, it's always from the number nine, the tr- traditional number nine position, which is goal poacher in the box, in the six yard box, in the in the in the opponent's box, causing problems. Playing out on the right, I honestly, I personally don't want to see her there. I want to see her in the nine. I want to see Jace on the right-hand side. And if JC ain't going to play there, put Paris there, put Garcia there. You know, we have the options. United have the options of playing players in their right position. So why do we insist on playing players out of position? Mia Zawa, for me, is an interesting one because in the World Cup, she was playing as a second striker. You know, she she was playing in, in that 10 centre-forward role. I thought when we signed her, we were signing her as a forward. But it seems like we signed her as a midfield, which is where she plays. But I don't think she should be playing so deep. I think she should be in that 10 where Ella Toon is playing. And if Ella Toon isn't performing, give Miyazawa an opportunity to play in that 10 role. The last few games, United have been playing with Miyazawa and Selim and Toon in the 10. And I think Toon actually plays better with Miyazawa. I think when Miyazawa plays, because of her creativity and her her, her link-up play, her passing, her, her vision is very, very good. And I think Ella Toon plays a lot better with her on the pitch. So allow, if Manchester United, and this goes back to the point of if Man United had a DM, Midfielders could have a lot more creativity. They can have, they could get forward more. But Miyazawa plays a bit deeper to support Zelim. And initially, you know, I thought she was coming in as that signing. So I would say back to the question: Is the poor start and the losses, you know, a lack of quality or players or tactics? I just think it's players not understanding. They haven't gelled well. They haven't gelled together yet. And whether that's down to the manager or the players themselves, I think is different. But I think also the, the quality in opponents have has changed this season and you know you look at Brighton look at Spurs look at Liverpool you know all these teams have improved we've got Spurs away you know they've got United have Spurs and Liverpool in December and I think those matchups if it was last season completely different I think it's going to be completely different compared to the the results that United had last season but big up to the question I think a lot of the questions people sent is regarding Mark Skinner and whether he should stay or will he stay I think I don't think we've got to that point in in, in Manchester United right now for the manager to leave. And that's my honest opinion. Um, uh, big up to Jay Doss for this question said, should we move on from Mary? I think uh, she had been good this season. Should we have cashed in? Oof, that's that's a heavy loaded question. I think United brought in uh, uh, Talon, uh, Fallon, sorry. United brought in Fallon as a backup option. You know, we see how United's ex-backup options are getting on. We see how Bagley's getting on at Brighton. You know, we saw Fallon get her start in, in the cup. I think she will be a cup goalkeeper. I think Mary Earps, this, this idea of whether she'll leave or stay, I think should not be something that is kind of like a cloud over the season. And that's why I wish the club dealt with it a lot earlier. We saw this problem with Russo last year. We saw it with Onabatier last year. Anytime players have an opportunity to leave on a free, it's kind of the, the thought pro it's the thoughts that kind of cloud the season. I think anytime United make mistakes, anytime Mary Earps makes a mistake, 
people will accuse her of not wanting to play for the team. People will accuse her of, you know, sabotaging the club. I don't think she's doing any of that. You know, she made so many saves today in the first half alone. In the first 10 minutes alone, you know, it could have been 2-0 to City. Um, but, you know, you look at how she's performing and just how the team are performing. I don't know if the team's unsettled by all of this situation surrounding her. But I do think in January, February times, we will know a lot more. We will know a lot more, especially with United's backup options, especially with the backup options they have to play. I think it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. And the last question, big up to Kuda, just Kuda on Twitter, says, this season, the problem has been the balance in midfield. What do you think our best is? Also, has Mark Skinner reached his limits with the squad? I think I've answered the second one. What do I think the best midfield is? I think the best midfield is a midfield... Oh, this is going to be so difficult to answer because I don't want I don't want to target players and, and criticise players. Um, but I think... A lot of players have questions to be asked about. Like I said, I think Miyazawa should be given a chance in the 10. I think Miyazawa should be given a chance in the 10. I think when Katie Zellum is allowed to play more as a sitting, you know, a holding midfielder, she has a lot more creativity there, a lot less defensive duties. And I think the defensive duties is where she falls short sometimes. United need a DM. If they're going to have the best midfield options or, you know, play with a consistent middle they need a new, they need a DM. Manchester United need a DM, essentially, whether it's in January or the summer. I think Katie Zellum, for me, if she did not have as much defensive duties, she would be a quality midfielder. And I and, and that's no kind of criticism to her. It's more so towards the coaching staff and the recruitment staff as to how they look at Katie Zellum and feel like she can continuously play as this, you know, DM, as this deep-lying player. If she was playing as a holding midfielder with Miyazawa in front of her, you know, the wingers on, on the right and the left of her and a player behind her, I think she would flourish a lot more. This season, I would say that, you know, the best midfield I've seen has been the Toon, Miyazawa and Zellum midfield. That has been, for me, the best ones. Uh, I think having Nolson as an option off the bench gives you creativity. It gives you a change in dynamic. Hayley Ladd off the bench gives you a change in dynamic as well. So that's my best midfield. That's what I would go with if I was the manager. Again, it just depends, I think, on... on I think it depends... Um, I think it depends on the game. And obviously, I think the manager uh, can judge that better than, than I can. That's why he's the manager. Uh, but in terms of what's next... What's next for Manchester United? Obviously, Conti Cup, uh, Cup game, uh, group stage match against Liverpool on Wednesday, followed by a trip away to Bristol. And then it's the international break, which I think comes at a good time. I think it comes at a good time. You know, when they come back from the international break, United got got a lot of, lot of games. They've got the likes of Spurs. They've got Liverpool, etc. And it's going to be another run of important, important games. Now sitting, what, fourth in the table with 12 points. City, Arsenal. Chelsea in front of them how do United need to turn it around we need just good performances come out in the Conti Cup in midweek against Liverpool whether it's a rotated team or not I want to see passion I want to see passion from the players I want to see goal scoring opportunities created I feel like United didn't do enough of that today I don't think they created enough of enough clear-cut chances you know you can it's all well it's all nice and good and all well kind of getting to the opponent's box but it's really what you do once you get there and I don't think United really created anything there so what do I want to see Conti Cup against uh, Liverpool and then against Bristol in the WSL next weekend goals I just want to see goals keep two clean sheets just see goals and see some gelling between the players so you know we we kind of saw glimpses of that in the Everton game we saw that we saw glimpses of it in Arsenal Aston Villa even in, in the Brighton game we saw a lot of glimpses of the players really starting to gel and mesh but I feel like today 
all of that just went out of the window. Would I say that today is an anomaly for the season in terms of performances? I don't know because we still got a lot of the season to play for. But at this point, with the points that United have dropped, every point is important in the WSL. Every point is important. And I hope that United don't get any more injuries because like the manager said, Jade Riviere was was dropped because of, you know, a knock that she picked up. United already have a few players out with ACL injuries, another, a few players out with, you know, ankle injuries, etc. So I hope United are able to keep fit, keep healthy and just come out next game and just, you know, get it moving, get it cracking. You guys know what it is. Let me know your thoughts about the result in the Manchester derby. Are you disappointed? Are you are you trying to see the positives in the negatives? Are you happy with the tactics that the manager went with? Let me know your thoughts. You can find me on all socials at Football. Be sure to follow, subscribe, whatever it's called, like I said, in the podcasting world. Le Carrington, the Manchester United women's football podcast solely focused on covering Manchester United women. You can get weekly episodes here on all streaming platforms, whether it's Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your your podcast, you can find it there every week or after every game. We will be dissecting the games. We'll be talking about the transfer window in January and, of course, in the summer. Just a lot of Manchester United content. As always, it's your girl, Minna. You guys know what it is. Big up to everyone that tuned in to the first episode. I really appreciate appreciate all the love that you've shown me and you've really people have been sending me screenshots of them listening to it sending me their thoughts about it and I really really do appreciate if you want to come on as a guest you can drop me an email or find me on Twitter drop me a DM at Minna Football you lot know what it is like I said Le Carrington podcast a Manchester United women's podcast solely focused on following the Reds it's a defeat to the Manchester rivals 3-1 at Old Trafford on to the next game, which is a Conti Cup game against Liverpool, followed by a WSL matchup in Bristol against the newly promoted Bristol City. I will see you guys after that Conti Cup game. Make sure you take care of yourselves. Big up. Peace out. Oh,